Will and Christian in the morning. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Will and Christian in the morning. As always, I'm Will. And I'm Christian. And today and we have another very special guest. Christian, if you'd like to introduce them. Sure. We have a special guest today. Good uh, good friend of mine. Good pal. Uh, say hello, Dylan. Dylan, hello. say hello. Hello, absolutely. It's a pleasure to be on this show. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, thanks for coming. Absolutely. Of course. So uh, let's just get right into it. Will, how you doing? I'm pretty good. Um, this week has just been a blur. <laughs> um, I feel like we're we're still right in the middle of just like crunch time, and I mean it's gonna get worse. But uh, making it through, still having fun. But uh, yeah, nothing like nothing crazy. We started. Um, I guess this is an announcement. Um, Acapella at St. Joe's is gonna be coming out with a new ep in the future at some point and we've just started recording for that this week uh which has been a lot of fun but yeah Very keep an exciting. eye out for that probably not for a while but but yeah how about you um you know it's the kind of same thing sort of just been you know on the grind crunch time doing all all this kind of work um i guess really nothing of note within like the last week just sort of normal um I just realized, like, we are going home in, like, two weeks for Thanksgiving break. That's which crazy, Which is kind of man. weird, because, like, the semester is, like, almost over, which it doesn't seem like it, but that's kind of crazy. So, I am looking forward to the break, but it really is crunch time. Uh, how about you, Dylan? How you doing? I'm doing good. Can't complain. It's starting to kind of feel like Groundhog Day. Like, I feel like it's just kind of <laughs> going through the motions lately, yeah, and, like... Uh, you got to, like, social distance. You got to be conscious. You can't really see everybody. You got to kind of, like, have to adjust your life because of COVID. Like, you know, this person, COVID, really got me going uh, out of my character lately. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> got to be smart, though. Definitely. It's, like, even – it's been however many months, and it still feels weird. Like, <laughs> I watch movies, and I'll be like, they're not wearing masks. Yeah. Like, oh, wait, like, it's 2016. Like, <laughs> <laughs> crazy. Yeah. Exactly. It's weird. Okay, uh, so let's get right into it with a little bit of uh, pre-show news. So as, I don't know if you've heard, but there's kind of an election going on. Um, but, you know, there have been lots of ads and all that telling people to vote, vote, vote. So this was, I think, last week, maybe, uh, the cast of Community uh, released their own sort of ad, their own voting ad. It was um, the main cast in a Zoom call kind of in character but they never said the character's names so something that abed or danny pretty whichever one it was brought up was like is this like a reunion or is this a commercial are we our characters or are we ourselves like what's going on <laughs> so it was very vague sort of in that community humor but um it was just sort of an ad to vote and it was sort of like a mini episode of community kind of like each of the main characters had their own reason for not wanting to vote and then you know jeff kind of gave a speech at the end like we gotta like put our differences aside and sort of suck it up and like go vote because mm. it's important and i don't know i thought it was funny uh there was no donald glover which was a little disappointing but i thought it was still nice just to see the old gang back together yeah. so i thought that was cool definitely i didn't get a chance to fully watch it but i saw little parts of it and it definitely 
felt like old community a little bit. Um, but it's nice to see, like, I feel like I've seen a lot of those types of ads where it's, like, celebrities or people from shows or something, like, coming together or whatever, kind of doing reunions to, like, promote voting and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, next up. So here's some new new news. Um, so as many of you probably know, uh, there's been a lot recently going on with Johnny Depp and uh, his ex-wife, Amber Heard. I'm getting that right. Um, there was a lot of like, controversy of if he was like an abuser and things like that. And then it came out that he was actually being abused. And there was a, a libel case that he just lost, I think. And he's just been fired or asked to leave um, from the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise and the Fantastic Beast franchise. Um, Pirates of the Caribbean, I guess not as big of a deal because those movies are pretty much like done anyway. There may be, they might make like a few more without him, but uh, he, Johnny Depp was a pretty main character in the Fantastic Beasts movies. Um, the last one was like based all around his character that they're just going to have to recast now which is a little strange and I don't know who they would even pick. Um, But I don't know. That kind of sucks. I mean, he's been, it's kind of been like proven that he's, he hasn't done anything wrong and I don't know. I haven't really looked too much into it, but the, it's a lot and we're not going to see him in these movies anymore. Yes. Kind of weird. And I think it's a little crazy that there's a lot of evidence that came out that, where he was the victim but everybody's sort of taking you know amber heard's side so he's sort of facing consequences for something that he didn't really do which i think is a little crazy yeah and i i don't think the studio has ever said that like this is the reason why we're asking you to leave but i mean Mm -hmm. it doesn't really seem like there's another reason Um, i mean like with the fantastic beasts like the i think we talked about it a little on the harry potter episode how these movies are just not or the second one at least a lot of people really didn't like and the future of that separate section of the harry potter franchise was sort of you know unsure so i don't know if this is like because of the legal battle or just because like uh people didn't like johnny depp in the roles you need to leave I don't know. At this point, but, uh, I'm guess... kind of doubting that that third Fantastic Beasts movie I, is even going to come out <laughs> just yeah, after plus, everything. Yeah, and plus COVID happening. Um, you know, I think it's just sort of uh, inevitable that it's just not going to happen or whatever. Yeah. Uh, next little piece of news that just got announced today. Uh, very sad news. Uh, we found out that Alex Trebek, longtime host of Jeopardy!, uh, passed away from uh, I think it was due to the complications with his cancer because yeah. he had been battling cancer for a while and um, it's just it's very sad but you it's kind of crazy to think about like how much he's accomplished like you know Jeopardy's been going on for so long and he's just sort, sort of been sticking with it and even like when he was diagnosed with cancer and he was you know fighting it he still like stayed on jeopardy and was working and hosting so i think that sort of is uh uh sort of shows like how you know strong he was yeah um real achievement jeopardy was definitely like a big staple in my house every night like we'd watch jeopardy then family feud and then 
actually something else. So it does. It just doesn't feel real that like if next time we tune into Jeopardy, he might not be, or like he probably won't be, the one like hosting unless it's like if it's a new episode. I I don't think that they could even find someone to replace him. Like I don't even know who they would ever pick. Um, yeah, but exactly. yeah, this definitely is terrible, and it's definitely gonna be a different a different feel next time I like watch the show. But yeah. Yeah. And then, finally, um, Christian, do you watch The Bachelorette? No. Okay, neither do I. I do not. Nah. <laughs> neither do I. Um, but our roommate in front of the pub, Matthew, does. And there's some big news on The Bachelorette. I was in the room as it happened the other night, um, just eating my dinner. And <laughs> apparently, The Bachelorette decided to get well, one of the contestants on The Bachelorette proposed to The Bachelorette, and she said yes. So, like, halfway into the show of this season, The Bachelorette is getting married and is leaving the show, um, which I don't know if that's ever happened before, so I guess it's kind of a big deal. But they're bringing in a new Bachelorette <laughs> for the rest of the show um, that the guys, I guess the guys on the show, are going to have to compete over again. Um I I think that's really dumb because yep. I think the whole, like the whole point of the Bachelorette is like throughout the season she meets these guys and she talks to these guys and at the end of the season after talking to everybody then she you know decides who she's with and she like eliminates people on the way but just like in the middle of the I feel like it like just this new season just started yeah and again, I don't really know too much about the show I don't really watch it but I think it like kind of just started and she's already leaving like. I don't know. It and just, yeah, weird. and these people, these these two getting married, have known each other for three weeks. I think, um, that's crazy. I don't think that's gonna last. <laughs> yeah, but I don't either. I I told Matthew, I was like, I don't watch the show, but I'm gonna make sure I keep tabs on these two to see if they <laughs> stay together. Because <laughs> um, now I'm invested. Yeah, loyal um, listeners will keep you updated. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, every week we'll have like a a bachelorette tracker of. <laughs> How's the relationship going? So stay tuned for oh, that. Geez. Yeah. Uh, one more thing before we get into our main topic that I want to talk about. So, uh, as you know, I am a big fan of Donald Glover, Chiron oh, Um This was, yes, no, Friday, Friday. Um, Donald Glover suddenly started tweeting, which he usually never does. Like he hasn't, he would usually have no tweets. He doesn't follow anyone. It's just his Twitter page. There's no activity. But um, it started with, I think he retweeted something that his brother Stephen Glover said. Um, and then he like made a comment about a song that he made or something. And then he dropped, uh, I think, two pretty big important things. One, he said that Atlanta, which is his TV show on FX, uh, season th- seasons three and four, he says they're going to be the best television ever made only you know up there with the sopranos and then i think uh steve his brother steven glover uh retweeted that and he was like just drop it tonight and then donald replied tagging the director hero mariah and he was like uh like what do you think uh hero and then hero replied with like a gif like a scene from the simpsons where like the grandpa walks in to the restaurant takes off his hat then does like a loop (laughs) and then puts his hat back on and walks out 
So I don't know what that means, but I was like, are they just going to drop an entire season of television on a whim without like the network knowing? So I thought that was weird. But another big announcement, he teased a new project that he's dropping. I don't know when, but he said uh, it's going to be his best yet. He's like, you thought I was crazy in 2018. Just wait till you see this. Um, and he said to listen, he gave us the name of an album from like, it's like an instrumental strings album from 1999. He's like, listen to this outside. So there's a lot of speculation as to what everything means, but I think official confirmation, Donald Glover will be dropping a new album sometime. Mm. I don't know when. Love it. But yeah, I'm very excited because there were a lot of rumors that after Awaken My Love that he was going to retire uh, that he was going to like stop making music and then he dropped 31520 like just as soon as quarantine started which is kind of crazy because that feels like so long ago but that was just in March and then after that people were like oh is he done now and now I guess he's not so I'm excited we'll see and I think we just might be talking about him a little more as this episode goes on mm. but let's get into it well what are we talking about today today we're going to be talking about a little thing called concept albums so basically the idea is that a concept album is an album with a storyline or a central idea that it kind of focuses on and follows um so christian you have some examples and dylan you have some examples of albums you want to talk about this is something i'm not quite as versed in so i think i'm going to be more along for the ride learning today um but i might have some things that i think of as we're going along just like of other artists but um yeah christian why don't you start us off sure so like will said we have a couple albums that we want to talk about and uh we brought dylan onto the show because uh i think dylan is well versed in music thank you he thank you is involved <laughs> in uh 1851 entertainment here at st joe's um you're a bit of a producer rapper yourself something like that yeah some may say (laughs) (laughs) you say you're a bit of an artist so i thought he would be good to sort of have like this sort of analysis of these concept albums because sometimes you listen to these albums and it seems kind of confusing you're like what is this really about oh yeah i thought we could take a couple of these and just sort of break it down so starting off uh we've got the who sell out by the who obviously who uh this (laughs) the who yes the who um this album was released i think 1968 i should have written this down but i believe i'll find it it. was late 60s this album was released and the basic 67 67 thank you uh released in 1967 and the basic concept that it follows around it's sort of structured as a set of seemingly unrelated songs uh interspersed with fake commercials about fake products so it sort of plays like a radio station where it plays a song then there's a bit of an ad at the end and then it skips to another song that seems unrelated to the first and then another ad so it's sort of like a compilation of different songs but i think it's sort of it's sort of an interesting discussion on just like selling out and capitalism and products and all that um which is why it's called the who sell out so i think if you take a look at some like a couple songs um some of the songs just sort of talk about 
like products uh there are two songs um that both reference products that are on the album cover for this album there's heinz baked beans which is really short and sort of structured like an ad like there's a little guitar lick and then they say like what's for tea and they play another little lick and another voice says what's for tea they say it i think maybe two other times and then at the very end it just says heinz baked beans so it sort of sounds like like an ad that you would see on tv or hear on the radio just like a little like jingle tune what's for tea heinz beans heinz baked beans uh and then the other product is orderono which is a type of deodorant um and that whole song i think that sort of falls under another category um that and another song tattoo are songs that sort of discuss how someone's life could be changed for the better if they purchase this specific product so in the case of odorono uh the song kind of talks about uh this girl and how the difference between success and failure in her life is the right deodorant so sort of the way she goes about her life you know it could have gotten better if only she used odorono deodorant which is i think very much sounds like an advertising thing like your life is going to be better if you use odorono so buy it uh and then the other song tattoo is also sort of talk about this notion of life would be better if you got the right tattoo so that could be like an ad like for a tattoo parlor or just sort of getting a tattoo in general so those songs sort of play like ads and then a lot of the other songs sort of end with little advertisements that you could hear on the radio uh and then there's one song that i think is pretty interesting it's called silas stingy and it's sort of uh, tells a bit of a story about this man who was really cheap and he didn't want to spend any of his money you know he uh, wore the same clothes and he used the same you know products and all that so he didn't want to spend any money he was very um, careful with his money uh, so towards the end he, there's like this voice in the back of his head that tells him that he needs a safe to protect his money from thieves or else everybody's gonna steal his money so he buys himself a safe and then he buys a house to keep the safe. And then he buys a dog to protect the house. And then after spending all that money to protect his money, he realizes that he has no money left to protect. So I think that to me seems like sort of a critique of like capitalism, kind of. Like if this whole thing is about the concept of selling out, um, you're doing all these things for money um, and this sort of capitalistic concept of you need to spend money to make money. Like, if you're so focused on money, it's like, I need to make sure my money's secure, and you take all these measures to protect your money, you're going to end up with no money. So I thought that was sort of an interesting song. And the whole album I just listened to earlier, it's it seems really strange and out there, but I think if you think about it in terms of this concept, I think it makes more sense. And sort of just the whole concept of you know selling out and like artists not being authentic and just doing whatever for money so i think that's pretty interesting very interesting listen mm-hmm. i listened to it when you saw it. i've never heard of this album i've heard of the like pinball wizard in the who but this was i like listened to it full length and i was like i don't really know what's going on it it reminded me of like vince staples fm but because like Vince Staples is this whole album with, like, he's on the radio. He has, like, advertisements, too. There's, like, an Earl Sweatshirt interlude. Um, mm-hmm. But this was 
way le- like it was incredible it was it's uh, everyone should listen to it because it's so interesting yeah and like when i was listening to it so i've been re-watching mad men uh lately which is if you haven't heard of it it's sort of a show um it stars john ham um elizabeth moss and some other people but it's about the advertising agency on Madison Avenue in New York in the 60s. And because this album was made in the late 60s and it's all about advertising, I, I got very big Mad Men vibes from this. Just in sort of the instrumentation and like the little ads at the end. It's sort of, I don't know, that, I think I liked it because of that, because it reminded me of Mad Men and I really liked that show. But I think it's sort of because i'm sort of comparing it to that i think it does a good job of sort of um in, like capturing the essence of like ads and advertising in that period of time yeah when can you can hear me right yes okay i didn't see the thing moving um when you brought up the baked beans thing i like the heinz i just thought of past the heinz <laughs> i don't know why uh but you made like the madman connection but that Ooh, that's advertising that I sounds remember. like I need to listen to that because I, I didn't really have any idea of, I mean, you kept saying like, I have to listen to the who sells out, but I, like, I didn't really know what it was. Mm-hmm. And I like that idea of it's maybe not necessarily like a full story, but it's like, everything's kind of interconnected. Um, and like flowing from like the advertisement to like a song that kind of like connects to it. Um, I'm definitely going to like give this a listen for sure. What's like the genre would you say? Of the um, actual music. I don't I know much about the Who. It's sort of like... So, it, because it was, like, late 60s, it's sort of like that sort of classic rock, like the Beatles or the Rolling Stones. And so, I think... Like, I think it's music that you you would enjoy, Will. I think um, even outside the sort of little, like, ad songs, like, the normal songs are, like, good songs. Like, they were enjoyable to listen to. And it's not, like, so super weird that you don't really like listening to it. Like, they're pleasant to listen to. So I think you would like it, and I would definitely recommend that. It's like power pop, hard rock, kind of. Yeah, but like sort of like an the earlier take on rock. Yeah. So it's psychedelic you know, take on rock in a way. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Hmm. But it's definitely interesting. Um, another album that I want to talk about is Pink Floyd's The Wall. So this one I think has more of a storyline, whereas. You know, the who sells that was sort of more like these little random things. It's more of a, more of a concept. This is more of a story. Um, so it's sort of structured as a rock opera. Um, it's about this main character who's named Pink, like Pink Floyd, who builds up a metaphorical wall around himself after his father dies in World War Two, I think. And um, so throughout the album, he's building up the wall um after little traumatic events that happen to him whether he's dealing with abusive teachers at school or just being raised by his mom with no father uh each one of these little traumas is quote another brick in the wall so that's in the album there are three separate songs titled another brick in the wall part one part two part three uh then in the middle of the album he finishes the wall so he completely cuts himself off from the outside world and pretty much immediately he regrets his decision and there's this whole thing where he imagines himself like performing on stage for people but he imagines it as like he's a dictator a fascist dictator and his audience is like a neo-nazi rally it's a little weird 
and then but he says he puts himself on trial for um building up the wall and cutting himself out from society and then through that sort of concept of the trial he says he's guilty and he needs to tear down the wall so at the end he tears down the wall and sort of goes back to the outside world so it's a it's very interesting and i think it, it spawned like a movie or something yeah yeah and did. they uh a nostalgia critic cover of the wall, which I oh think is gosh. very cringy. I was gonna bring that up. <laughs> Fantano's shaking his head if he's listening to this right now. <laughs> so mad. Oh god! Shout out Fantano. Yeah. <laughs> On the show. Friend of the pod. Uh, oh man. The I... wall is a top ten album, of, like rock album of all time, though for sure. Yeah. It's very. It's kind of weird. Like I was listening to it. Like, I had to listen to this for uh, my class because we sort of talked about these sort of concept albums. Uh, and I was just kind of sitting there like, this is, like, really weird. And I just sort of, like, do a little bit of research on it to sort of get a better grasp of what the story was, which I kind of enjoyed. Like, I liked sort of taking that extra step to do, like, research on it. And I think the fact that the album was like interesting enough for me to be like, ah, I kind of want to look more into this. I think that's sort of, you know, testament to like how good this album is. I think it's yeah, and we saw the track "Mother" was in- "Mother" and "Comfortably Numb" were two tracks that like really stuck out to me because like he talked about how like his mom like instilled all this fear of life into him, and he's basically like like you said, pointing a finger at her, and and it's just crazy like to think about like how much like his like the character Pink's, like, mother had, like, an impact on how, like, shut off of the world was, because it's, like, the mom obviously was dealing with her own things and was rubbing off on Pink, and then comfortably numb, he was, like, yeah, it doesn't seem so bad to have no emotions or feelings, like, I'd, I'd like it better that way, so that was pretty deep. Yeah, I think I this, like, man. yeah, this album kind of gets pretty deep, and, uh, you know, it really sort of goes into Pink's emotions, or a lack thereof sometimes. Um, but it's definitely interesting, and I think this is one that I'd like to listen to f- more because you know I kind of I listened to it once, but and I think maybe I'll get a better grasp on it if I listen to it again. But Will, I think this is another one that I think you'd enjoy. It's a little, I think it's a little more psychedelic than uh, the Who Sells Out, like a little more strange, I guess. But I do think that you would enjoy this. Yeah, I like strange albums. Um, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I this is, I have like heard more of this one. Like I haven't really listened to it, but I've I've definitely heard a lot about it. I've obviously heard about the nostalgia critic video on it, um, <laughs> or on the movie, I guess. But it definitely I I got a lot of homework to do after this. Real homework and music homework. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, For sure. Definitely, yeah. Um. Okay. Next up, another one that I really wanted to talk about. Um when we first sort of started talking about this topic for the show, um, what I think one of the, probably one of the greatest albums of all time, definitely one of the greatest rap albums of all time is Kendrick Lamar's To Pimp a Butterfly. Oh yeah. I feel like, I feel like Dylan, you can talk a lot about this, but I just feel like there, I think there's like a lot to unpack here because this is just sort of so much to think about. There's a lot to think about. Um, But I think, a good way to talk about this album is to talk about the last song, which is called Mortal Man, and it's 12 minutes long, which I thought, I was like, whoa, 12 minutes long when I first listened to it. But um, it's basically Kendrick Lamar talking to Tupac, which we all know is 
dead or is he? That's a yeah. conspiracy. Put our tinfoil um, hats on. <laughs> but um, it's Kendrick talking to Tupac sort of about what the album is. And I think the very, very basic um, idea of the album is that there's the idea of the caterpillar who just has to eat and eat and eat to survive. And everybody, nobody really cares about the caterpillar, but they all love the butterfly. So you have the caterpillar uh, pimping itself out, so to speak, to um, sort of get more of that, I guess, recognition and respect. And then he sort of gets trapped in his cocoon where he's sort of stuck where he is. Then he can finally break out and become the butterfly that he always could have been. You know, the potential is always there. Like, the butterfly was always inside the caterpillar. It just had to be released. The so real butterfly that's... was the friends we made along the way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I think that is sort of, at least from my understanding, sort of like a very, very, very basic um, outline of that. So, and, and I think it deals with a lot of complicated topics like, um, you know, race in America uh, the Black Lives Matter movement, um, gang violence, and all that. I think yeah. Ke- I think Kendrick does a really good job, not just on this album, but like in any of his music, uh, sort of talking about, like, really like putting you in the perspective, like in the shoes of a black person in America. Like, obviously, I'm white. I don't know what it's like to be black, but I think that he does a really good job of sort of giving me that perspective that like i would never understand i think sort of putting me into the world that he lives in i think he really does a great job of doing that yeah absolutely i mean the i mean even like it starts off crazy like the wesley theory with like the george clinton and all that like with the jazz influence because jazz has such an incredible influence on hip-hop itself so i loved how you used that and i loved how he introduced tupac who's a real pioneer especially of western like west coast rap which like Kendrick obviously like has a thing coming from Compton and then for free at the interlude is, I mean, it's a crazy, it's like crazy song. Oh it's, my God. It's, it's like rapping over this like crazy jazz thing. And there's like, you're like, it's like, there's no rhythm, but it works. Yeah, and it works. It's like what Blueface thinks he sounds like pretty much. <laughs> and, but it, it's crazy to me because he's talking about how, like, even in like the inner city, like other people expect so much from you. Like, this is not for free. Like he doesn't have any money, but why do they still expect him to be this pimp? Cause the pimp, like in the butterfly is like supposed to be an aggressive term. And he's basically using Kendrick throughout this whole thing, uses his celebrity for good. He doesn't want to be pimped by the industry. And that's why he's talking to um, Tupac. Some of a constant activist and kind of like saying that he's going to try not to get pimped by this, but he's seen it. Like even in these walls, like he sees like what goes on, especially with like this domestic violence, there's different things like, it's crazy and then all, in the middle of it the perfect middle is like we're gonna be all right oh great song which is a true banger yeah just sort of like you know despite all this thing everything that's going on uh if god got us then we're gonna be all right yeah and i think i think something i noticed like with this sort of resurgence of i not necessarily i guess kind of like a cultural resurgence the black lives matter movement they're just more like more prominent in like the news and in the public consciousness um that song all right i think sort of climbed up the charts again and i think it started becoming like more popular again because of the sort of um reintroduction or like 
I'm trying like I'm not I'm not saying that like it, the movement was dead and now it's coming alive. It's just now it's sort of like yeah. I mean, history repeats itself yeah. too. Exactly. 100%. Yeah. yeah. And I think the Black of the Berry is the most interesting song because he talks about like the like a lot of like talks about how there's a lot of hypocrites because he was saying that like people were crying over Trayvon Martin, but like he'll like in the like the hood like the inner city like they killed someone that is like blacker than himself like he was just talking about how like there's a lot of like internalized hate and this is like a crazy thing this like because of his race because of like his poverty like systematic like empowerment like the, but the but he, he says it in such a way where like it's like a banger like you're in your car <laughs> but he's like giving you the cries of his struggles but you're like you you can't help but nod your head like it's just yeah. it's incredible yeah mm-hmm. like i think he does a fantastic job of sort of like talking about you know he talks about these complicated and really important issues talking about you know the state of being black in america but at the same time you're like you know this kind of slaps so you're like this yeah. is a good song so i think he does that really well so it sort of like sticks in your head yeah so i obviously i obviously haven't listened to the album but just all the things you're talking about kind of reminds me of like atlanta um which yes. is very much a show that is very entertaining and can be extremely like wacky and outlandish but at the same time kind of puts you in the shoes of a black person living in america and like the struggles that they go through while also being something that you can like enjoy and like be not like nod your head to and like not in a music sense but like you can laugh at some stuff like you can be entertained by some stuff um i kind of that's like the parallel that i'm seeing so i'm kind of interested to check this album out as well to see if like there's even kind of more of that parallel yeah and i think it's yeah i feel like a lot of it's not really like a trap rap album like dylan said there's a there's a lot of like jazz influences and i think it's a really good instrumental album too like oh, the, yeah. the actual music and the instruments are like really really good so it's not just like you know an 808 bass and a percussion track and like rapping like there's a lot it's like really complicated instrumentation too and, and the think... transitions on this thing were Ooh. beautiful oh, okay and yeah that was i was about to ask like do all these albums are they the type where like it goes directly into the next song with like it's very smooth um or is it very much just like each song is its own thing because so i know that... a butterfly goes into the next thing uh the walls is is kind of like it doesn't really do that like would you agree mm-hmm. chris is it kind of like I think it's I, I don't think it's as smooth like the wall. I think sometimes it can have like a nice smooth transition, but other times you're like, okay, this is I know this is the next song, but something I think to Pippa Butterfly, it sort of transitions with this poem that Kendrick reads throughout. So, you know, in the fr- after the first song, it starts out the like the I remember you was conflicted, misusing your influence, like that whole thing. So he reads like a little section of a poem and then it goes into the next song. And then the end of that song, he rereads the section that he of the poem that he read in the previous song and then adds on another little thing. And then it just keeps building and building. And then at the end, when he sits down with Tupac, he's like, I want to read you this poem. And he reads the entire thing that had been building up throughout the album. And um, like, and even like the actual poem sort of uh, dictated like the story through um like throughout the album like you know there are little things that as he reads the poem and it moves through like the album moves 
sort of like what the poem is talking about like there's one part where he's like talking about like going home and then the next song i think it's either mama or hood politics i i forget but it's like he's talking about going home and then he goes home to his mom and you know his family and all that so i think the poem sort of dictates the flow of the album which is very interesting Hmm. it's beautiful it's definitely one of the best of all time it's added to the list yes um (laughs) and going off of that what i think personally is my favorite album of all time and maybe even one of the greatest albums of all time childish gambino's because the internet and this i could talk a lot about it but i'm gonna try and just give like a little big thing so this was an album released i think 2013 yep um but it's this is another one that's very story driven so story driven in fact that when you bought the album there's a screenplay a 72 page screenplay that was supposed to sort of go along with the album like you read the screenplay as the album plays and there are little time marks like play this song here play this song here um so the basic story is the whole thing revolves around the character called simply called the boy who is supposed to be like don lever towers can be no uh, he's like this rich 20-something-year-old kid living in a big mansion in the Palisades. Uh, he's an internet troll. Like, he just has a Twitter page, and he just, like, trolls people online. Um, he lives with his friends, but they're not really his friends. And he just sort of, like, does random things. And it's a big, like, existentialist, like, why am I doing these things? Everything, every day is the same. We do the same things everything's meaningless so i think it explores that so um it starts out the boy uh or the first major event i think of the album is the boy witnessing a murder um just on the streets outside of a jazz club uh that's in the song world star so he's like filming a fight and then he accidentally ends up filming the guy getting shot and dying so that sort of like is a big uh moment for him then he goes sees his ex-girlfriend in Oakland because he just needs to talk to someone that knows him. And she's like, get out of here. You know, I don't want to talk to you anymore. Then he goes to a diner and has sort of a mental breakdown. Um, then they go see a wedding. And like every it seems weird the way I'm telling the story, but like it makes sense if you listen to the music and you like read the screenplay. Uh, and then he has a big party at his mansion because he just wants to like you know do something but then he finds that he gets no satisfaction from that and he has another mental breakdown he overdoses on uh drugs and alcohol and he goes into a coma and he has this really crazy dream he wakes up from the coma and he finds out his father died so he has to fly to stockholm to get his ashes uh and then he flies back and he meets this girl and they start you know dating and he feels a little happier and he becomes a drug dealer which i know it seems random and then he gets caught up with the cops and then the cops uh or he gets shot and he dies maybe we don't really know it's sort of up to interpretation but i know that seems like a very it seems like a random uh sequence of events but just the whole thing is sort of a commentary on just like like life in the age of the internet where we're so connected like like we're recording this podcast um you know will is in the next room but like dylan you're at 
your house, I'm at my house, and you know we're using the internet to be connected. And it's, it was so easy. We just go on this website, uh, start the call, and now we're like talking as if you're ne- right next to me. So we're like so connected, but we still feel so lonely. And you know, it's sort of this existentialist um, perspective. Like we're like if we're so lonely, like like what's the point of being here if we're just gonna feel alone, even though we're all so connected and um uh, i just think it's a really cool album and i think it's more than an album i don't know dylan you want to i don't know if you want to speak more to that just i I, I love the album i think that's one of the most underrated childish gambino songs called oh love that i love that so i like because of the internet a lot like i really like Mm -hmm. i mean i like childish gambino i mean i wasn't too crazy in his last album but i do like his earlier work and even his like the Redbone album what was it called awaken my love with zombies on there like what was it all there was so many i thought that was so cool like i i think that album gets too much hate yeah because people don't understand it they don't open Mm. their eyes yeah yeah he gets it yeah Um, (laughs) i think yeah, go ahead, Will. I was just say this is the only I think one of the uh, one of these albums that I have heard some of the songs. Um, because I I like Childish Gambino. I like more of his early stuff than like newer stuff. But, um, I think the the main ones I've listened to are like Sweatpants in two thousand five, which I think oh, are the, ones, the ones everyone's listened to. But um, yeah. are you eating? <laughs> and I think I think I've listened to like a couple more, but I don't really remember them. So I think I'm obviously not getting the full story. So I'm also going to go back and listen to this all the way through probably i'll do this one first because it's the one i know the most um and like i know childish gambino the most but i really like the concept the concept of um of that album just like i feel like that's something that i can relate to Um, yeah exactly um and i think something that i think is really cool and why i think it's one of the greatest albums of all time is because it's more than just an album like it's also like the screenplay but there's also like all these multimedia things like there's a uh, you know all these YouTube videos like there's a there's a prelude on YouTube called Clapping for the Wrong Reasons which sort of like sets up the story of because of the internet uh, there's also like when you would see it live like you would perform the songs but there are also like little tidbits of stories like his mother speaking from beyond the grave or like at one point in New York at like a music store there was a physical representation of the boys' room. Like, you could walk in and, like, see what? his room, which I'm really mad that, like, I couldn't see it because, like, I would, that, I would love to see that. But, like, it's more than just listening to the album and, and that's it. And it's sort of, like, it's not, like, one and done. You can, like, keep listening to it. And as the years go on, it sort of grows. One thing I do want to mention, which I think is really, really cool. So in the script, um, after 3005, there's a blank page that just says, play secret track nine and a half here and in the actual album it just goes to the next thing after 3005 it goes to i think it's playing around before the party starts but there's no secret track like what is this um and then when you in uh in like one of the websites um if you like do a certain like code thing uh you get this acapella track of just his vocals which are like, okay, that's the secret track, cool. But a couple of years later, when he released his EP Kawaii, 
there the last song on the album is called 3005 Beach Picnic Remix and it's it's kind of like 3005 but it's a remix and it's mostly instrumental without a lot of vocals but when you take that a cappella track that they found on the website and put it over the instrumental of the Beach Picnic Remix it fits and that is the secret track what? but they wouldn't have known that until like two like a year or two after the album's original release so you didn't even listen to the full album until Kawhi dropped like a year or two later. And I thought that was so cool that like it's just this like it really was a secret track that you wouldn't have known about unless you like go in and you code it or and you wouldn't fully experience it until a year later after he dropped this, this new EP. So it's just sort of this continuous like it's not just one and done. You, you like keep re-listening and the story evolves kind of. I think that is really cool. cool. Um, the longest scavenger hunt ever. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but that's that's I like all like the different like media hopping. I didn't know about like any of that. Um, that's so cool. Yeah, it's it's really cool, and I I don't want to like talk too much about it, and I feel like I could talk about it more. But um, if you want to know, I do want to shout this out. If you do want to know more about it um because i feel like i'm not really doing it justice check out dissect which is a podcast by it's a spotify podcast um their new season every they each of their seasons focuses on a different album this season season seven is focused on because the internet and after listening to it i sort of like i like the album before but i think this sort of gives me a better picture of like just how much thought and you know effort went into building this album there's just all this connection and it's so so cool go listen to dissect season seven all because of the internet um shout out to the writers uh i was talking to him on twitter the other day and he just seems like a really cool dude so i think his name is cal I, he's probably not listening to this but like shout out uh he's really cool yeah go listen to the podcast all right let's move on i want to move on <laughs> i don't want to talk too much about um dylan you want to take the reins on these yeah yeah I'll talk about uh talk about a great punk band before 2006 i'll just say that <laughs> green day american idiot which is was turned into an opera slash musical extravagant because it was so good so i'll talk a little bit about the backstory on that so green day is the lead vocalist as a lot of people know is billy joe armstrong uh the bassist and backing vocals is mike durnt and they came and go like i don't know like they have like had like several different members but in 2002 green day was in the studio they were actually making an album that never released called cigarettes and valentines and they were going to break up after 2002 they just didn't feel the flair they didn't feel the punk rock anymore and i'm like a big punk fan like i love like the dead kennedys i love like the smiths the clash all those guys but basically their studio got robbed and none of the album ever released and they didn't even want to release this album but billy joe armstrong was on the road and he was listening to leonard skinnard and leonard skinnard was talking about being patriotic like beers america <laughs> and he was kind of billy joe armstrong was kind of disgusted at this notion because he was kind of mad at the world he was mad with the wars he was mad with what was going on in the media and he hated big government so what does he do he makes the album American Idiot. And the starting track is literally talking about how he doesn't want to be an American idiot because he says the media is controlling everything all. He said the media 
the right wing media wants you to think that the all the other medias are liberal. And he said, everyone's kind of stupid in the media. The television's stupid. Everyone's an idiot, basically. Which is what I like about this, because that's how punk is. They just don't like the government. They never have. <laughs> they never will. And it's funny how, like, because they're a UK band, and they're very critical of the US, because, you know, they're, they're from the US now. But, I mean, it, j- it just starts off with American. Like, they don't even, they don't even try to, like, they just go right into the political but a lot of people think that it came out in 2004 and they think it was critiquing the iraq war with the bush administration now they do take a lot of knocks at bush but apparently it wasn't even about the iraq war he was talking about just as a whole how mad he was with the wars but another really interesting track is jesus of suburbia which is basically about a lower income um like the lower income middle class type of american anti-hero And basically talking about how a working class citizen is this like religious folk is supposed to be like praised. But in reality, like they're not even like they're still struggling, which is like a really popular track. I mean, there's a lot of like I could talk you could talk about this for days. I mean, it's there's a lot of crazy things And the Hollywood Boulevard of Broken Dreams. is about this man, this American man that's like walking down, looking at Hollywood, looking at all these elites that are living so much better. And this person's miserable because he would just never have what they have. And basically how celebrities are so out of touch with society. So, I mean, it's it's just a bunch of – it's just basically critiquing the media, celebrities, and the government. And that's why it's called American Idiot. That sounds really, really cool. Yeah. Now, like, I – like, I've heard of this, and I've heard a couple – like, I've heard American Idiot. I've heard Boulevard of Broken Dreams, obviously, because they're, like, the more popular ones. But, like, I don't know. Like, I never really thought about it in that way. Like, I I think I definitely got to listen to this album. Like, I didn't think of Boulevard of Broken Dreams as, like, being critical of, like, Hollywood celebrities. I just thought it was, like, a depressing, like, I walk a lonely road, I'm lonely. Like – Yeah, me too. I, really cool wow <laughs> i i thought the same thing like even like she's a rebel like is like supposed to be like goofy like i don't know there's like i like googled like what this meant because when i was listening to it like i'm more just like into how good it sounds like i love dookie like i love their previous work um but i mean this is it's beautiful because this is what punk's all about it's all about questioning society um you know it's one of those genres that like the masses won't always appreciate because it's not really for the masses and green day was actually made for quote-unquote losers mm-hmm. like that's what he said he says this is for the losers this is for the outcasts and he's like and after like my success i feel like the losers have won it's like what billy joe Armstrong always says interesting and mm-hmm. yeah he's just very critical i mean i know that he was he's just always critical of government and the culture of the media and how like people like they try to censor music and yeah that sounds really cool i i also know that there's um an american idiot like musical where they take the songs from the album and like turn it into a show i don't know how similar it is to like the concept that you talked about but i would hazard a guess that it's like pretty similar like they that they make like they flesh out a whole story based on kind of what those songs are about um I also like I really only also knew the like the big ones that that everyone knows that they've heard on the radio but um I'm probably also going to check this out there's a lot of there's a lot of different genres in these that I'm interested in hearing like mm-hmm. going from the kind of like rap with the also is like the instrumental and the like punk type stuff and 
all that. I'm, I'm interested to check all of these out. It's it's different though from like Kendrick's and the Walls and all these other because like those are these tell like all separate stories, but all are like basically these people are idiots. It's like basically the consensus <laughs> of the story. But like it, there's not like as good transition. Like most of it's just ballads and like arena type rock bands. Even when it's sad, he's still kind of belting like these like crazy vocals that are backed by like multiple people. So it's not like like even the sad songs. Like even Boulevard of Broken Dreams like <coughs> isn't super like his voice is so like soothing that it's not like I don't know. You can still kind of like have a good time to it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's about it on that one. And the next one is Marvin Gaye's What's Going On, which is actually pretty crazy. Marvin Gaye is the arguably the best R&B and soul singer of all time. He made this album in the 1970s. And this album's all about basically this character's uh, brother returns home from Vietnam War. And a lot of people think that this has a lot to do with Marvin Gaye because Marvin Gaye's... Uh, marriage to the uh b singer of motown was also failing and it's basically him's like what's going on to society like my brother's returned to vietnam war he's not the same he tries to put himself in his brother's shoes about being in the war and he wrote a song that stands among the most tuneful works like of like conscientious writing in like america and it's basically just focus on american culture and like the hippie area of idealism and the reality that poverty and these wars and drug abuse and racial misunderstandings is all going on. But a lot of this music, like in the 70s, is more psychedelic and trying to be positive. But he really reels that back. With it, He's not critical on anything. He just is, it's like this self-reflection on what is going on. Like, he even says, Father, we don't need to escalate these things. Um, he just wants a call to action. And this is him basically growing up and using his voice in, like, this kind of, like, musical way. But it, like, gives you, like, almost butterflies. But he's talking about all these issues. Like, the man's marriage is failing. But he's, like, still in love. Like, with the mercy me, he talks about, he's like, honey, honey, like, what's going on? (laughs) Like, it's just, like, it's, it's beautiful. But he, it's a lot like Kendrick Lamar's. Like, he's just talking about all these. And there's a lot of jazz influence, too. Um. And it's just, it was a radical move for, like, Motown R&B, like, because R&B was so rooted in, like, these love stories. And this was, like, an actual concept album of what is going on in the world. And, like, it was just so groovy. It was incredible. It's incredible. Awesome. It's pretty cool. And I think that, um, yeah, and I haven't listened to this album, but um, what I think is sort of interesting, like, we've been talking about um, with American Idiot or To Pimp a Butterfly or... Um, you know, other who sells out sort of being like these concept albums sort of have something to say, like they're being critical of, you know, these aspects of society. Whereas like you said, what's going on is just that, like what's going on, why are things like everything seems so, so different, like what the heck? So I feel like, or like the sense that I'm getting from what the way you're describing it is that this was more Marvin Gaye, just sort of, um, just sort of unloading all of his emotions, just like, what's going on instead of like oh this is bad this is bad just like i don't get it like why is it like this he's just sort of unloading all of his feelings about all these different things yeah i mean yeah he it's like stevie wonder did the same thing like there was a lot of artistic like freedom 
that they did like it was a lot of like social pause but they would he would both marvin gay and steve would do it in such a way where like you wouldn't even realize exactly what he's talking about unless you really read it like he says in such sofa ways he's like picket lines and picket signs trigger happy mm-hmm. policing like I, I don't know this is just different because it doesn't even seem like like he doesn't even know what's going on like himself where like kendrick yeah. lamar it seemed like he kind of knew like he had the awareness mm-hmm. what was going on so yeah but marvin gay like doesn't even have that kind of awareness he, it's just sort of like ah what is going on and yeah so, like my brother just came back from vietnam war and he's like messed up yeah <laughs> so i think it's interesting and that seems sort of more relatable to i think sort of a general public because you know we don't always have the answers and i think that's sort of just him saying like i don't have all the answers you know yeah that kind of thing. he was a very peaceful man too like i know that he's like like a lot of it was like hugs arms are for hugging he was a lot of like because there's a lot of like war propaganda going on at this time like in the vietnam era and he was more so just like why can't we all just love each other and mm-hmm. while he was also battling with his own like love of like problems too because like yeah. marriage mm-hmm. like was destroyed <laughs> yeah well this is it seems very cool and i think i'll definitely have to listen to that and i know uh i think we should probably wrap up because i know then you said you have to go but uh you know, will do you have any final thoughts on this album or just sort of in general um i mean it's on the list now <laughs> um <laughs> all that like i don't know it's just i haven't really even thought of this type of like music before all that much i think there's some albums that i have listened to that are concept ish um but for the most part i haven't really listened to many albums that are just like a story all the way through um so more than anything i'm just like excited to go on these like little journeys i guess um it probably will take me a while (laughs) um since it takes me a long time to watch or listen to anything but um i'm definitely gonna like check all of these out yeah for sure all right well i think we can probably wrap it up here dylan thank you for coming on the show and talking about this absolutely thank you it's a pleasure of course i thought it was fun and informative and uh uh, I hope you, everybody listening, hope you guys enjoyed it, and we will see you next time. Wait, wait, wait. Um, oh, we got a plug. Yeah, so right. if you want to hear more of us, uh, check us out. Obviously, you're listening already on something, but we're on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Check out our Instagram and our Twitter, at WC in the morning, and also our YouTube page, which we're going to start putting more stuff on. Um, and yeah, you know, rate, rate five stars, uh, share with your friends. Mm-hmm. and tell yeah. everybody that you love them absolutely right. so thank you again for listening and we will see you next time bye bye